You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Rapid React episode. Happy Monday morning to you. Happy Sunday late night to you after this primetime affair. Eric Crocker and Brian Peacock. Locked on 49ers at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. The 49ers fall on Sunday night football to the Green Bay Packers. 30-28. It was a thriller, Croc. It was a thriller. We're going to get to our big takeaways from this game. We're going to give out some game balls at the end. Um, the fir- I think we have to start with just the initial reactions to what happened there and that ending and what we're seeing from 49ers fans that are tweeting at us about this game. And I think most fans are pointing at Jimmy G and the cornerbacks as the reason the 49ers lost this game. And I think most of them have it wrong. And their point, I mean, just the defense in general, D'Amico Ryans, there have been a lot that are kind of jumped on him about this. And and I want to come out and say this, like at, at the end of the day, when you are a defense, I don't care who the defensive coordinator is or who you have on defense. When you are going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's arguably the best or most talented quarterback ever, and you have Devontae Adams out there, who's the best receiver, obviously you want to figure out different ways to kind of bracket him or whatever. But those two guys, because of how long they've been playing together, they are extremely difficult to guard. When they line up, they know exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, how where the ball is going to go. I saw sometimes where Diamador Lenore, when he got beat early on the, uh, in the game on the left sideline and where he got kind of hands-on, but there was just a little bit of space and the ball came back shoulder right now. I mean, there were just some things where I'm like, man, that is extremely difficult to defend. And you just kind of have to chalk it up to Aaron Rodgers right now is better. Him and Devontae Adams and Aaron Adams are better than whoever you have on the other side. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that would be if whether it was Salah, whether it's because we've seen him do this to Salah. Like, this is not the first time. It does not matter. Like this, it's Aaron Rodgers we're talking about, and that goes to every team to, every week. To the, to the extent when it, when they scored that touchdown, I saw thirty seven seconds on the clock. I said that's too much time, not because of D'Amico Ryan's or anything. Like it's just it's Aaron Rodgers and it's Devonte Adams, and that's just too much time. The other team has good players too, and great players in some cases, and I think that's where sometimes fans want to blame what's wrong on their own side rather than going, gosh, 37 seconds and it's Aaron Rodgers. And what are you going to do? Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams um, on the Jimmy Garoppolo interceptions. Uh, interception, singular, it was one. It's a great play by Jair Alexander. We want great Garoppolo play. to throw the ball down the field. He gave a guy a chance that was open and threw a nice, because we were talking about, ah, he doesn't put enough air under the ball. And then fans hate how long the ball hung in the air. You know, uh, so sometimes you got to tip your cap. It was a great play by Jair and Alexander. Great game by Aaron Rodgers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, 25 of 40 passing, 257 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And he was Jimmy W. again for about 37 seconds until Aaron Rodgers took that back, right? He's like, oh, man, he did it again. Never in doubt, right? Jimmy G. Um, And I think some fans have accused us of being Jimmy haters this week and talking about how the offense needed to be able to go win a game. And I think now, this week, maybe we're going to have to play the other side of it, not playing it, because we're just going to have to play it down the middle and be objective about it, which is, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo was the problem in this game. 
and, and I don't think the corners were the problem in this game. I think, Croc, the 49ers lost this game in the trenches where they should have dominated, and they did not. Right. I mean, you look at just the, the offensive line. I thought the offensive line would handle Green Bay because, you know, there was no Zedarius Smith. You didn't have to worry about him coming off of the edge. But still, there was, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of people kind of complained the last few weeks about the offensive line and Jimmy not having that much time. But I thought they protected him extremely well first two weeks. This game, they did not. He was getting hit left and right. Um, had some weird things happen with the tripping call. They threw a flag on it. But just how the pocket was kind of collapsing on Jimmy Garoppolo. They had a free runner one time where he just got blasted off of the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, just I, I thought he hung in there. I thought Jimmy hung in there. I thought he played well considering. Uh, I did think I, – I will. I do have this one takeaway. His inability or lack thereof to throw the ball down the field – had Packers defenders sitting on routes. So there were several times where on quick slant routes or quick in-breaking routes, they had guys jumping passes, knocking balls away, or making contact with Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk as they were attempting to catch the ball. And that is a direct correlation of Jimmy's inability or teams not really threatened of him on a down-to-down basis to throw the ball downfield. Because you know who can't do that on a consistent basis? 49ers defense against the Green Bay Packers because they're worried about the downfield threat of Devontae Adams, of Aaron Rodgers. But when you have Jimmy there, that's one area where it he condenses the field, and we've said this. But uh, aside from that, I thought he did a really good job of hanging in there and really giving the 49ers an opportunity to win. That doesn't mean Jimmy Garoppolo was perfect. It doesn't mean the 49ers were perfect and just Aaron Rodgers was better and went out there and, and won that game. They could have definitely done some things better, but I don't think you heap all the blame on the quarterback in this situation for the 49ers. Um, he, he, yeah, but you're right. You got to be balanced on offense. You got to be able to run some double moves and keep defenses honest. And that's the problem with the 49ers offense. And that's kind of what we've been talking about last week when Jimmy Garoppolo fans have gotten mad at us saying we're Jimmy G haters. And I don't know if we should even be pointing at Kyle or Jimmy or the roster construction or whatever it is, but you got to be able to keep a defense honest and be able to hit some shots. And they really only took the one shot and it was an interception. I feel like they pulled it back again after that. Yeah. Well, the good thing is they got George Kittle involved more. You know, so that was one thing that was really good to see. And I think that should be something that happens all the time. Uh, You know, every game, especially in that uh, medium to kind of deep range. He hit one late in the game where uh, George Kittle ended up running down the field. Like those things need to happen all the time. Get him the ball in that range. And I think those plays are there to be had for whatever reason. The last week, it just wasn't dialed up. Again, average depth of target was negative two yards. This game threw it to him more downfield. And you give your best player an opportunity to make plays down the field. So that was terrific. There was one weird play, and I'm interested to hear what happened. And I think right now you have Kyle Shanahan at the podium, so we won't be able to hear that. But the backwards pass fumble thing, from, and I know a lot of people are like, Jimmy, what the heck? Get him out of here. And I'm and I'm just like, I, I'm not going to bench Jimmy for that. Like, you know, if it's just <laughs> how the game started, if yeah. that continues for three quarters, like, okay. And obviously he got better. But that was a weird scenario where I could – clearly see what's kind of going through his head. He's expecting to throw a screen left for whatever reason. Maybe he turned the wrong way because you had Debo Samuel on like a moon motion going the opposite way. And he went to throw it and he's like, wait a minute, he's not there. So he tried to bring it kind of back in and it ended up going backwards. And yeah, that know, was kind of and he fumble, tried to so. pretend he's like, oh no, I was throwing the ball, but it was definitely a fumble. And he was trying to bring that ball back. He wasn't trying yeah. to throw it. That was that he was, was trying to obvious. throw it to somebody left and he brought it back. And, and it, it was almost like a pump yeah. fake because whoever he thought was supposed to be there, which I think was Debo, 
He was not. He was on the other side. I'm interested to know who was wrong, but I mm -hmm. guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It was a screwed up play. But I know a lot of people were really getting on Jimmy about that. And uh, I just kind of want to come to his defense a little yeah. bit and just, you know, it was just, it, it, it just happened. It just it's happened. hard because it was such an ugly play. And it's hard to defend how ugly that play was. But somebody did something wrong. Maybe if a guy lined up wrong, maybe it's Jimmy's fault for uh, looking in the wrong direction. And the play was supposed to, it was designed to go the other way. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's when it went, the, the outcome looks so much worse than, than, than it being one guy. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not so bad that he's just going to drop back and all of a sudden someone's in his face and he's going to throw the ball backwards. You know, that's not what really happened on that play. Right. Aaron Rodgers on the other side though, uh, got to give some props. Uh, and he was pumped. And by the way, can we talk about this really quick? Handshake midfield after the game, and there was the Mike Silver report last week, right, at the end of the week, and maybe some maybe some personal feelings, maybe some animosity, maybe just a little bit of extra grind. Um, like even if even if you're good friends with somebody, we talked about this, even if you're best buddies and you're out you know at the uh, at the park and you're playing hoops and you're going one on one, you get mad at each other and you're not you're, you don't want to lose that game. Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur clearly each were like it makes you not want to be a head coach in the NFL. These are young guys that are at the pinnacle of their profession at the top of the heap. And they were miserable all night. Every shot of Matt LaFleur is pissed off. Every shot of Kyle Shanahan, he's pissed off. And they were so mad. And you could tell uh, that they were, that Kyle was pissed off at losing that game. And, and Matt LaFleur was pissed off until the last, until that kick went through the, the, the uprights. And then in midfield, they were like still a little bit like, oh, well, I'll talk to you later. Maybe they'll, they'll um, you know, make up in the off season or whatever. But it, it seemed like there was something very personal about this game for those guys. And, and I got that vibe throughout the whole game. Definitely. I mean, that's how it is. She was, I was outside playing this uh, shooting game with my son earlier and he beat me <laughs> and I was upset about that. And I didn't well, want to shake you his let hand. Him beat you? Croc? I, no, I, ain't let I him. thought I you let him said he would never beat you. You you said something like he would never beat you ever. You would retire before he beat one you. one on one. Yeah, he can't beat me. Okay, but in the shooting game, uh, it's like a three point shooting game that okay. we play a lot. Uh, he he can get me in that. My you know I'm more like Crocky Westbrook. My jump shot is a little inconsistent, <laughs> so he he can get me there. Uh, okay, so he's just got a cleaner jumper. Yeah, his is a little clean, okay. and he's a lefty. It seems to just going. Oh, he's smoothly. a lefty. Okay, does he play baseball? He wants to. We'll see. Oh, get the we'll kid. He's he a does. lefty. Get the now, kid in baseball. I, I got kidding? questions. If he can hang in there when that when that curveball, they throw that big curveball, or he has some pitches, you know, with a little movement or some heat coming. Are you going to stand in there? You know, we got to find that out. Maybe he can pitch a little bit, dude. All he's got to do to get to the big leagues is be able to get one left-handed hitter out a game, and he's got a roll, <laughs> and he can make millions. All right. All right. Uh, should have got one right-handed quarterback out at the end of the game. They yeah. can't do that. Gosh. All right. Let's get to more of this. Our thoughts on this game. Some of the stats from the end of this game, and give out some game balls from the 49ers' first loss of the 2021 season at the hands of the Green Bay Packers Sunday night. NFL season ramping up. Tons of great bets to be placed at BetOnline.ag, like over/unders, money lines, futures bets. MVP, maybe a little cash down on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for pro and college football action this 
season. And I know y'all are pumped up after seeing football. Sometimes it's a slow burn, too. You're like, all right, the season back. What's it going to be like? You're like, oh, yeah, this is fun. This is awesome. Overtime, Monday Night Football. Great. Let's throw some money down because now I have a good feel for what these teams are going to look like in 2021. A new updated site and interface at betonline.ag with even more odds, props, and contests. They continue to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use promo code Locked On. Not only football, but basketball, boxing, baseball, your favorite casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available this season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, 49ers fans, there's an incredible app that everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that's 50 cents cash back on your first fill up. Fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month in cash back, and there's no catch. Get Upside has a deal with certain gas stations and grocery stores, and they get more business from those of you that use the Get Upside app, and you get cash back when you shop or get gas at those businesses. It's a win-win. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card. Super easy. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get that bonus of up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN on the Get Upside app. All right, some of the stats here. Jimmy Garoppolo, we talked about it early, 25 of 40, 257 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He had an 87.2 passer rating. On the other side, Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 33. Very efficient. Uh, Two touchdowns. He's so cool. You just... 37 seconds, too much time, 113.3 passer rating. This game, I thought the 49ers, when they had, when when Kyle Juszczyk got into the end zone, I thought, man, did they do it? They stole this game. Because it didn't feel like the 49ers were in charge of this game at all. And it was almost surprising. It was like, man, late fourth quarter, the 49ers have a chance to drive the field right now and score a touchdown to win this game. It didn't feel like they were even... Uh, they should even have been this game. Like, I feel like they got beat that soundly, and most of it was up front. I think it was a little weird because, I mean, 49ers fell down 17-0. And I do want to kind of point out, like, just the resiliency of the team to really kind of fight back when everybody was counting them out. And the defense just tried over and over just getting stops. And I, I feel like, again, people are going to jump on D'Amico Ryan's, but I thought the defense gave the 49ers every opportunity to win this game that they need to get some key stops when they, when they, when they need them, except for obviously 30 seconds, 37 seconds left. <laughs> but um, it, it was, I don't know. My, it, my emotions like, are still kind of, so, <laughs> yeah, it was a big game. We're, we're going on right after it finished. It, so, for the 49ers starting slow again and that big drive at the end of the half, just like last week, then they got the the the, the kickoff and then another drive is like, okay, down three now yeah. because they were dominated most of the first half and all of a sudden now we're down three. Now it's a ball game. And then they were kind of in it. There was a little bit of extra hop in right. their step. Are you surprised though, early in the game especially, 
Like they were handing the ball off to Juszczyk. Like How much does Kyle Shanahan not trust Trey Sermon that they didn't even try to do the thing that has won them these games in most uh, cases against the Green Bay Packers is keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field and running the hell out of the ball. They didn't even try to do that. And Trey Sermon kind of got some more work later in the game, but he still ended up with only 10 carries as the leading rusher for the 49ers. Uh, 10 carries for 31 yards and uh, and the touchdown. Kyle Juszczyk got five carries for 14 yards and nobody else uh, and Debo had two carries for zero yards, and nobody else had more than than one carry on the 49ers roster. But they didn't even try to run the Packers out of the building. And I feel like right. the Kyle Shanahan offense, especially against the Packers with what they've done in the past, that's the first thing you're going to try, right? I, I wonder if kind of falling down so quickly kind of changed the way that he had to call the game. Uh, heading into halftime, I believe the 49ers had run the ball maybe five times. Unless like a Debo Samuel or somebody had a carry, but between Yuschek and Sermon, so the backs, 49ers have five carries, and Sermon had like three of them for two yards heading into halftime. And now a lot of people kind of tweeting out because I know I said it like, "Oh, running back, like you know, supposed to be plug plug and play." Guess it's not. And my thing was the 49ers just abandoned the run game. Now maybe they did because of this the situation, right? Again, you got Aaron Rodgers on the other side, and you feel like, man, I got to figure out a way to kind of make up some points and make them up in a hurry. And I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time running with Trey Sermon. But I did think second half when they started to go to him a little bit, you could see Sermon get into a little bit of a groove. And I thought he ran well, especially considering how the first half went where he had, he had three carries one, which was like on the first or second drive where it was like a toss, right. And the play just got blown up in the backfield. And so he didn't get anywhere there. I think they had a Debo Samuel trying to block uh, Preston, Preston, uh, Preston Smith. That didn't work. And then his next carry, which maybe was his next only carry of the first half was when the 49ers were near midfield or wherever they were and the ball was snapped, but everybody else was still like standing there. (laughs) Like they weren't sure, like the ball was snapped prematurely. So then you know, Trey Sermon didn't get any yards on that carry. So I think it was interesting. I think just the way the game went, it changed the whole flow of how Kyle Shanahan really wanted to call the game. And it kind of got back to that at the start of the second half. Yeah, the game script got out of control somewhat early from the 49ers and was the wrong kind of game script that we laid out in the week prior that you didn't want to see for the 49ers to win. And and, and it ended up being a game that they couldn't win. Um, But they did come back and they showed some resiliency and it's a good team. And they're both good teams. The Packers are obviously the week one was an oddball, uh, you know, an oddity of a game for the Packers. They're going to be good and they're going to be in it. So both teams are now two and one in the NFC. Um, Here's an interesting one going to the receiving side of things. Devontae Adams, 18 targets, 12 catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Adams is just so good, first of all. And I was really glad to see that he wasn't hurt bad. I was surprised they let him get back in the game, to be honest with you. And the league might have something to say about that. Be like, dude, I know Packers, you want him back on the field. I'm sure he wants to get on the field, but isn't there protocols in place to be like, nah, sorry, man, you can't jump back in. Like, in two plays. So, this was this is, was my thing. And I don't want to say he was faking or anything like that. I don't want to put that on him. But when I was watching the play and I was talking to my brother about it and some of my homeboys in the group chat, and I'm like, and everybody's calling for flag, flag, flag. If you want to say it was a flag for a def- uh, a hit to a defenseless yeah, receiver, it was sure. But helmet to helmet, I did not see the helmet hit Devontae Allen's forward to knock him out. I thought he took a shoulder to the chest 
I thought uh, Jimmy Ward did a good job of turning his head away so that the head didn't make the helmet didn't make contact and he hit him on all shoulder. So to see him kind of laid out like that, I was like, yeah, it was a big collision. I'm like, man, like laid out like that. Like I didn't see any contact to the helmet. And I was telling my buddies, then as I'm recording my voice message, I see Devontae Adams run back on the field. And I'm like, <laughs> there's no way that you you get hit and he got hit hard. But if it's helmet to helmet. And you get hit that hard to where your eyes are like rolling in the back of your head or whatever it looked like. Looked like he was just out cold. And then you come back on the field two plays later. I, I don't see how that happens if he was truly hurt. Again, I don't want to put that on him and say he was faking. But again, if if he truly was concussed and knocked out like that, then like you said, there should be the NFL should have something to say about that. But I didn't see the helmet. You know, I thought he did. I thought Ward did a good job of turning his shoulder. And it just going straight into the chest of Devonte Adams, and maybe he got the wind knocked out of him. Maybe it was more shoulder to the chest or something like that. But in that case, even that takes. I've had you know you've had, I'm sure have had that happen to you where your wind got knocked out of you. It takes a minute, like probably more than one play, to kind of get back and, and feel a little bit better. And he went to the tent, so he went into the tent, got out of the tent, and was back on the field in two plays. And that blew my mind. I was very surprised to see that. No way, no way. So, he, so, but here's my big point about the receiving. And we talked about George Kittle, and it was nice to see him get utilized more. Nine targets for seven yards or seven catches and 92 yards. That's still not enough. Devontae Adams got twice as many targets as your best player, George Kittle. Now, George Kittle isn't as good of a receiver as Devontae Adams, and he's got blocking responsibilities and all that. But, like, I feel like th what we saw tonight from George Kittle, and he was fed a little bit, should be the minimum. Like, we need that every week at least and more, right? So, but we're starting to see it. Like, we this is, this is more right. like it. But even that, nine targets, okay, at minimum. Let's keep going. Double digits every single week. Let's go. Well, that was my thing. I said eight targets. He should get eight targets minimum. Uh, Debo Samuel as well. Give those guys, you know, opportunities to make plays. And and I thought they did. Debo, clutch play at the end where he fought off Jair Alexander. I thought he did a terrific job there. Brennan Ayuk scored a touchdown. Terrific route in the end zone. So you, you do have guys that can make plays. Again, it, it might not look like Devontae Adams. I think if you have any guy that has that type of ability, it's probably Ayuk. And we'll see if he starts to get, kind of get in a groove there and understands how to run routes. I think a lot of even Devontae Adams' success comes from the continuity with his quarterback. So can Ayuk Trust. start to get on the same page with his quarterback? Because even on the end zone touchdown play, Jimmy still kind of threw a little bit more outside where Ayuk kind of hooked it up and he had to kind of – he almost threw it to Ayuk and Ayuk had to make like a – I mean, uh, to Jael Alexander, Ayuk had to make a, make a terrific catch. But, uh, yeah, I think all those guys, man, like, you have terrific receivers, and I know because the 49ers usually play through the run game, that's not something that people highlight. But uh, I thought all those guys, they, they came up big, and if you give them more targets, they should be more productive. What about the drops? A lot of people adding me on Twitter about the drops, and I think the drops absolutely hurt them early. There were some bigger plays late. Nice play by Juszczyk, obviously, on the final touchdown. Debo uh, snatching the ball out of the air over... Jair Alexander, uh, the Ayuk touchdown. By the way, Trent Sherfield, that was a nice run, but he's gone now. It's, now it's back to Ayuk and, and Sanu, but still, Debo's clearly the number one and, and targeted a lot. But he had some drops, uh, and there were some drops in this game. Ayuk, another drop. Are you concerned about the drops at wide receiver? Are you concerned about wide receiver? There, there's like a lack of continuity there, and, and that's that's what's tough to point out with Jimmy G because he's got different guys in there every week, and I feel like there's a lack. Like after this long of Jimmy G being around, 
and second year for Ayuk, third year for Debo. Muhammad Sanu's been around for a while. Uh, Kittle obviously has been there the whole time from before. Jimmy Garoppolo, there should be more continuity, more just like you know exactly where your receiver is going to be, back shoulder here, front shoulder here, uh, leading them here. And I feel like there's still a lack of that in Kyle Shanahan's offense right now. Yeah, uh, they definitely have to build up, you know, a certain level of continuity. Probably, you know, playing in the off in, in, in training camp and everything with two different quarterbacks and this guy getting reps or that guy getting reps. Remember, they were kind of – the receivers and tight ends were kind of getting reps with both groups. I always thought that was kind of weird when you want to kind of build that rapport between your quarterback and your receivers and kind of build up that understanding. I said earlier that, you know, I think I said after week one, Super Bowl is not won in week one. So the 49ers have several weeks to work to really build up a, level, a certain level of continuity that's going to uh, create a more efficient passing game. So clearly they're not there yet, but – they can't build up to, to that. Now, the drops, that might just be who these guys are. There's just going to be one or two that kind of go off their hands. But then it was weird to see them make the tough catches, you know, where it was extremely contested and they came down with it, especially in some clutch moments. So uh, I'll keep an eye on the on the drops, but I think the kind of the rapport between the quarterback and receivers, I think that should be something that we see build up as the season goes on. Yeah, they need that. They absolutely need that, especially if it's going to be a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense all year, which is looking more and more like it's going to be almost 100% Jimmy G and, and one snap of Trey Lance here or there. Uh, real quick on that, and we got to get to the defensive side of the ball, give out some game balls. Trey Lance, one snap, touchdown run. Is that enough Trey Lance for you? Or do we need more well, he, Trey Lance? He also had the play that didn't count. And That's right. yeah. it was it was, we, it, it was it was good to see him incorporate – uh, Trey Lance in that way, in the sense of kind of using like the run action, but having roll out and pass. I thought the Packers did a ter terrific job of kind of really defending it. The one thing I didn't care to see, and obviously like there was a flag on the play that they held George Kittle. Maybe that's who he was looking for, and George Kittle got pulled down. But he kind of started. It got a little weird, and he just kind of threw the ball. Yeah, he threw I don't a know funky exactly pass he like halfway to, to even Ayuk, and maybe he was getting ready to throw it to Kittle, and he fell down. Yeah. Like it was, it was an awkward play. So, you know, those are the things that you really kind of want to work through with him, especially if he's going to be in there in that area. But so far, he's efficient in the red zone. Two plays, two touchdowns, aside from that weird play that got called for holding. So Not bad. I, I wish they would incorporate him more there. Uh, I was talking to my brother. I, I feel like once you get inside the 10-yard line, I'm utilizing Trey Lance. He was efficient there all throughout preseason. He was hitting guys, uh, throwing sharp passes. Obviously, like threw that touchdown pass against the Lions there. Every time I get down there, I don't want to make – I feel like if you don't have them in there, you make it a little bit more difficult on your offense and how you have to call plays. Utilize him and have him basically be a triple threat with the option to hand it off, him run the ball, or him throw the ball. I thought there was one opportunity in between the 20s for – Trey Lance to get in there and do something. I thought it was a chance for a haymaker for the 49ers. It was after their first scoring drive in the third quarter, and they held the Packers. They got the ball back, and I thought, this is the perfect time. And I tweeted it out. I said, look, play action, roll out, big play. Take a shot with Trey Lance because they're expecting to run. And it was the, uh, I think it was Sermon had his probably the best run of the game. He had like a seven-yard run on first down. So second and three, perfect opportunity. Sh sort of short yardage. Uh, you bring in Lance, they think you're going to run the ball a little bit. You go play action, maybe try to hit one over the top. If it doesn't work, 
put Garoppolo back in, whatever, throw it to George Kittle, get a first down, and get out of there. The Niners ended up going three out. They didn't use him there. I thought that was a good opportunity. It just felt like a time where maybe you got a team on the ropes. You scored back-to-back in the half to begin the half, and you have a chance to take a lead, then run the ball and lean on him and do what you should have been doing from the, the start of the game and really start to, to dominate up front and run the football and then maybe put the game away at that point. Uh, they didn't use him there, and, and I feel like the, the Kyle Shanahan is not going to be using Trey Lance. Like it, It's clear now because a game like this against the Packers, see, he, he didn't use him in a close game last week. There's no plans right now for Trey Lance to be a big part of this offense. Maybe some short yardage, and that, and that's about it. And and so fans that keep saying, "Oh, it's time for Trey Lance. Trey Lance got to start. Trey Lance got to start. Got to enter the game for Jimmy yeah, G." It's yeah, not it's happening. Uh, yeah, it, it's not going to happen. He's not going to come in as much as we obviously would like, you know, or even myself. And I've kind of resorted to just, "Hey, red zone. That's where he should kind of be in because of the threat that he poses." But Kyle Shanahan thinks otherwise, and I think what he is doing is eliminating the thoughts of this being a two quarterback system. It is not that right. Mm. And I think at the end of training camp or preseason, yeah. that's what we all thought two QB like system. That. Wow. But we've said it. Other people have said, it. if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback and Kyle Shannon is showing that I don't have two quarterbacks. I have one quarterback. That quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. And we're going to lean on him in all situations. And if need be at some point, maybe I'll throw Trey Lance in there. Like, I don't know. Oh, fourth down right before the half with one second on the clock. I don't know. I think that's a weird thing that he trusts him that much in those situations, but then in less pressure situations or just any other situation, it's like, nah, not going to put him in there. Uh, yeah, Trey Lance, he's, he's there. Will he be used? I don't know. It's going to be a factor, and it's going to be a theme every single week, and we'll see how that goes. And maybe Kyle Shanahan at some point will get fed up, or there will be a disaster game for Jimmy G, and we'll see more Trey Lance. But I don't expect to see him much anytime soon. Let's talk a little bit more about the defense. We don't have a, a lot of time left, Croc, and we'll give out some game balls next. I'm sure this sounds all too familiar to football fans, but when you're trying to figure out how to watch a game and how to stream a game live, and it happened to me this weekend with my buddies trying to watch some college football on a Saturday, and we couldn't figure it out. We weren't in the right market to be watching a Fresno State game live on the local station, but my buddy, that's his team. That's what we wanted to watch. So we're going through logins, going through different apps, and you can get rid of all that. There's a simpler way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and it is called Direct TV stream. And it brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Cookie Dough Chunk is back at built.com. If you've never had a built bar, you are missing out. A protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Not only the newest flavor. It's a new old flavor of cookie dough chunk. They have their original flavors, coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream. My personal favorite is anything involving peanut butter because the consistency is just perfect of the built bar. If you're not sure what flavor to get, you can get a mixed box of built bars. 
And check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar, only 130 to 180 calories per bar, depending on the flavor, only four or five grams of sugar and only four or five grams of net carbs. And for listening to this podcast, you get a very special deal of 15% off at built.com by using promo code locked 15 go to built.com use promo code locked 15 for 15% off that is promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com plenty of time to go deeper maybe watch back some more film and and really dive into a couple of specific players this week croc when it comes to this game and the 49ers team but on the defensive side of the ball I was disappointed especially since the Packers offensive line is so banged up. And then they didn't have Elkton Jenkins, who was already their second left tackle going. And that the 49ers should have won up front. And they should have done a better job against the run. They should have done a better job of making things difficult on Aaron Rodgers. And the first drive, it looked like it was going to be that way. And Nick Bosa was in there. And it was in the backfield. And, and you know, and it was like, okay, this is it. Nick Bosa is going to take this over. We're going to see him dominate. It's going to be trouble for the Packers this week. And then that was kind of it. It didn't really happen. Are you a little bit worried that the 49ers, now for two straight weeks, haven't really won up front when it comes to their offensive line and defensive line, which is where they need to be winning a lot of times with you know complimentary football under Kyle Shanahan? Yeah, I don't want to hit the panic button yet. I think two of the guys that you feel like should be the ones that really give you that pressure that give you that, you know, that that the that speed off of the edge or power when it comes to Nick Bosa and D Ford, like they're both coming off of injuries. You know, they haven't really played extensive uh uh games since week one and week two of the 2020 season. And neither one of them were really active in training camp. They weren't active in preseason. So I think those guys are kind of getting still get kind of getting their feet underneath them. And that's going to be a process. So I, I'm more curious to see what does the pressure look like come week eight, right? Is Nick Bosa still not 100% back? And maybe he won't be out all this year. Is D Ford still not 100% back? Maybe the back is just lingering and he's resulting to his 10 snaps or whatever it is that he's getting. But if the 49ers are going to have a good pass rush, they need those guys to really start to get after it. And right now we're just not quite seeing that. I'm curious to see what it looks like come week eight, though. Let's get to the game balls because it's on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of fans were upset with the 49ers cornerbacks and their cover guys in this game. And I thought they did get hit in the middle of the field. Um, I think there is a bone to pick with the safety play, um, with the big play to K1. Can, can I talk about that? Before he was out. Yeah, can sure. Can I talk about that? Yes, please. So so two big plays that happened in the first half right away. Uh, the one to K1 Williams. Kawan Williams is not fast. Like on Madden, he's 86 speed. He, he, and he pulled fast. up. So if you, he got hurt trying to run fast. Like that, that's not his yeah. game. And he left the game. I thought, did he get yanked? No, but it was a, it was a calf, I think, or a quarter, a calf muscle injury. He pulled trying to run fast because he's not fast. So the, the slot fade. Yeah. We saw him get beat on it in week one. It's one of the first plays against the Niners this season on defense. Like, oh, shoot. That's something that 49ers are going to have to look out for. And the combo of Hufanga at single high with K1 slot fade, that's a bad combo that the 49ers need to avoid. Yeah. You know, and anytime Kawan Williams is going to get in that slot fade uh, situation, he's going to be at a disadvantage. So he just doesn't have the speed to cover guys vertically like that. If you want to go to a two high and put him in man coverage to where he kind of has help over the top and he's covering things underneath, I think he does, does a terrific job there. But 
from the slot vertically, I think Lenore gives you a better chance there. And we saw Lenore cover well from there on the slot fade, but they did call pass interference. Got a little BS that had a little ham yeah, fighting yeah. going on. Whatever. I, were, I've seen guys get a lot of called things. for. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was anything egregious or anything like that. But um, Emmanuel Mosley, I thought he, I thought he played well. I was hoping that they would go to him following uh, Devontae Adams around sooner. I think when they they showed their trust in him on that last uh, before the, their game winning drive, but on fourth on third down they threw the fade to him and I can see I know exactly what he's thinking. He's thinking what we're all thinking, right? Here comes the back shoulder fade. If you have Devontae Adams even with anyone, they're throwing that back shoulder pass. So Emmanuel Mosley was looking to play more chest to chest and look through the receiver, which was Devontae Adams. Uh, Aaron Rodgers actually threw the ball upfield, seeing that Mosley had good positioning, and it ended up being incomplete. But I would like to see them. It's like, dude, I don't want to see Dante Johnson on them. I don't want to see D'Amador Lenore on them. Emmanuel Mosley, you're our best corner right now. You're the one that has the like just the most ability with the size kind of combined. You have to go guard this man. And I wish they would have kind of went to that earlier. But I will say, aside from his pass interference downfield, whatever, uh, which was that was another weird one where the ball was thrown so poorly that it led Devontae Adams outside and they ended up kind of coming through Emmanuel Mosley. Initially, he had good positioning, played it well from the line of scrimmage or whatever, but I, I want to give him a game ball because I think he, at the very least at the end, kind of challenged himself, and I wish maybe they would have done a little bit more of that with 37 seconds left on the clock and no timeouts. Yep, and I'm glad you said that because I had him written down as a game ball, and I'm glad you saw the same thing I did. And Yeah, that pass interference play was just one of those awkward plays that was weird and maybe it was uncatchable, but yeah, it kind of just, you know, it, it ended up being an awkward play. And basically, this game proved, and I think we'll see it more now, that, okay, well, Mosley's the guy that you're going to have to put on the other team's best guy, period. Like, that's the way they yeah, have to do I it going forward, right? The 49ers haven't been a team that does that. Yeah. They've done things where just you got left corner, right corner. They've done some field boundary stuff, but they haven't had a guy just shadow a guy. And we'll see if they start to utilize him more in that role, especially if they want to go more man to man. Yeah, we've we've seen it a couple times where they kind of would flip Sherman and he would do a little bit of that, but then he would go back. And same with Verrett a couple times, but never like just like a shadow situation. But I feel like it's warranted now, especially when it's a team like the Packers that just has one clear guy because they just were going over and over and over again to, to Devontae Adams. You got to put your best guy on him. Um, I did want to talk one, one, real quick, just so the fans know about the uh, the big play to Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling, mm -hmm. right? So you have quarters, right? So quarters, you got cover four. The field is split up into fours. But what they did was it was a really good cover four beater where they ran Devontae Adams towards Ward, who was one of the two high safeties in his quarters, and sat him down right in front of it. So what that's going to do is hold him and either have him drive that or just hold him to where he doesn't sink back and see that post coming across. And with Tart, what they did was had uh, Valdez-Scantling kind of get inside leverage and then just run away from him across the field. And so now who Tart, who's in his quarters on the left side, has to go all the way across field to the other side because Ward was held down by the Devontae Adams route. So – I know a lot of people are probably going to get on them about that, but I'd say that was a better concept and than it was just bad coverage by anyone. And ideally, in a situation like that, you just got to hope that 
your defensive line gets there, and obviously for the majority of tonight, they just didn't. Yeah, that's one of those situations where you realize the other guys are good too, and they're going to make some good plays. What about the Jair Alexander play? Do you think maybe the 49ers could have schemed that up to where there's a receiver that holds him on the Jair Alexander interception of Jimmy Garoppolo? Because if if Jair is not there coming all the way over from the opposite side of the field and it wasn't like his responsibility to be there, he that was a big play. That, that was going to be a yeah. hit to George Kittle. So do you think maybe you could throw a route over there just to, to hold him with that play design? Was that just like a, a really great play by Jair Alexander? Can you point your finger at, at Jimmy G on that pick? Because I, I felt yeah. like it was a good player making a good play. It was a, it was, it was a great player making a great play. But yeah, there's always something you kind of do to hold a, a defender there. So even if you just kind of run at him, and what one of my buddies does, my guy Derek Graves, give my guy a shout out. Uh, he teaches his receivers to look guys in their eyes, and that kind of holds the defender because you're like, like, why is this guy looking at me in the eyes? And then you just sit it down. That holds him for a little bit, and then now that gives you time to be able to fit that pass over the top to George Kittle. Run something at that corner. Make sure you hold him and then do it. But I have to see the the concepts again. I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan has a reason for why exactly he attacked it the way that he did. It's just Jair Alexander made a great play. Uh, real quick, any more game balls here? I want to give one to Trent Williams. I feel like it's similar to the Emmanuel Mosley thing where overall I, I, I thought the offensive line could have played a lot better. But Trent Williams is a monster. And so I feel like he deserves a game ball. And it was similar to the the secondary. Emmanuel Mosley deserves a game ball, even though maybe there was, you know, too many too too much given up by the 49ers secondary. And Trent Williams is one of those guys who could probably get a game ball almost every week. And he just destroyed fools on that touchdown for um for Trey Lance and Trey Lance, I think even gave him the ball to spike it after he scored his first career rushing touchdown. So uh, I want to just shout out Trey, uh, Trent Williams. He's so good. And he probably won't get as many game balls as he should. He's just that good of a player. And he definitely was not the problem up front for the 49ers. Alex Mack played an awful game, by the way, if there's an anti game ball, I'd probably give it to Alex Mack. He was not good tonight, but Trent Williams was good. So there's two guys I want to give game balls to first guy is Kyle use I mean, he was used as a Swiss army knife that he is obviously getting in there. Uh, and scoring the touchdown, and I looked at my brother, and I was like, bro, that's too much time. Like, I wish he would have just fell down. I'm looking like, did a knee touch? And my brother was like, dude, you can't you, – you, you have to score because you can't risk – what if you get a holding or you get a false start and you end up getting backed up? We saw that with the Seattle Seahawks Week 17, 2019 against the 49ers where they had the delay a game, backed them up five yards, and that kind of ended up costing them the game. So he's like, you just can't risk it, and you got to hope that your defense gets a stop. So, But use check, I thought he did good, you know – the little quarterback sneak, just taking the handoff, uh, taking the snap from the center. That was a terrific job because I know that's not hard. I mean, that's not easy, taking the snap and sneaking while you do it, especially yeah. if that's not something that you do. Um, we saw Jimmy G fumble the first snap of the season. Right. <laughs> and that was his first uh, snap he took of the season. With his uh, blocking and then obviously in the past catching game, he made some really good catches. But I do want to give one more game ball out. And I want to give it to Aaron Rodgers because – at the end of the day, it just showed, like, you know, at some point, Jimmy, like, and he did a good job, you're going to have to duel it out against a quarterback like that. And it just kind of shows, shoot, 37 seconds, no timeouts left. He showed why he's like, dude, I'm a bad man. And I think even his look on the sideline was that of someone who was ready to go out there and win the game. And, again, I, I don't care what defensive coordinator you had on the other side of the field. He was dialed in like that, especially on the same page with his receiver, Devontae Adams, which we know he is. 
it's extremely tough to stop. So game yeah. ball to to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's he's one of the all time greats for a reason, and he's cool as a cucumber going down there and winning the game. And to be honest with you, it was pretty amazing. The 49ers were even in that position to have the lead with 37 seconds left because I thought, uh, I thought they just kind of got beat by a better team tonight. I thought the Packers played better the whole game and it was pretty amazing. The 49ers were in position to win that potentially late. I got to disagree. Really? I, I don't think that they were the better team. I, I thought the Packers had the better elite players. Like I thought, I mean, they played like, better, not necessarily that A-Rod, they're the better team top to bottom, but they just, they played better from the start. I thought, well, who like who made the plays for them? Right, Jair Alexander, uh, Devontae Adams, Adams. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rogers. Like we, they're 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 those guys are better than like our guys in the sense that the positions that they play and the important role that they play in those games. So like that was, I don't think overall they were just the better team. And I think for not like it's a coin toss, to, you know, between who can win that game even with who they have at quarterback. So I think maybe overall the 49ers might actually have a better team. But A-Rod is just so good that that changes the dynamics of everything that that we're looking at. Well, those are the big plays. But I would also argue that the places the 49ers were supposed to be better, they still didn't win. So like their no-name offensive line was really good. And their no-name defensive line was really good. And their linebackers that should have gotten torched in both the run game and the pass game played all right. You know, they, they held their own there. So I would say that that's... While the the stars made the big plays, I would say that the places where you didn't expect them to win, they still played really well, and so that's that's what I would point to as the Packers playing better than the 49ers tonight. But the 49ers played a good right. game, and it was so fun, and um, I'm glad that game was as fun as we thought it was going to be in prime time. Unfortunately, the 49ers came up on the losing end, 30-28. to 28. Croc and I will break down more. We'll uh, have the press conference thoughts uh coming up this week we'll have another winky wednesday coming up this week and uh, keeps on coming in the nfl there's another big game next week with the seattle seahawks as well so we'll turn the page there eventually this week and uh, preview that week four matchup as well croc and i back every day with you thanks for listening thanks for being the first thing you put on every day croc and i back with you tomorrow right here locked on 49ers